love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. It makes me feel so good to give them my wisdom or the things that I've learned and help them see the beauty in themselves. And and it's amazing. My drag family is my life. But, you know, they're my, this is, you guys are my whole universe, yeah. right? And I love them all. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. Today's love story belongs to Rouge and Deva, a duo of drag queens who are creating a splash of love wherever they go. They've graduated from stage performance to online domination, and together they're inspiring a community of chosen families and spreading a message of acceptance, expression, and healing. Okay, uh, Rouge Fatal and Deva Station. I have to tell you, with no offense meant to past guests, you guys definitely win the prize for best names on the Canadian love map. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm all right with this. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. When did this friendship of yours start? Oh, God. Uh, 2004, 2005. No, 2004, we met. Yes. 2005 is when it started getting serious. Yeah, because that's when that's when I was I was Empress 2005. Yeah, yeah. I think you had moved here just the year before. No, you just didn't pay attention to me. I remember when you came. And I, I, I came in 2003. Okay, well I have I'm old. I have no concept of time anymore, Jeff. Peer through the fog and tell me what it was like when you met one another. What do you remember? <laughs> Oh, she hated me. She did not like me. And I wasn't really a big fan of hers either. Like we both, like I thought she was too uppity and she thought I was too much. And we really? still do, was but now jealousy? we appreciate it. No, think? no, it wasn't no, jealousy There was at all. no jealousy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. She, I did. The first time I remember actually talking to you, it was in the bathroom and you had, it was shortly after I became Empress and you came up and she, Rouge's Wiccan and pagan and all I'm not that. Wiccan and pagan. Pagan, sorry. There's a difference. There's a difference between Baptist and Westboro Baptist. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> she came up and I was fixing my lips in the mirror because that's all I did. And uh, she came up and she wanted to give me this crystal, and I still have it. But she wanted to give me her last name, and I'm like, no, that's okay, right? But I do. I think that's the first time we like really officially even yeah. talked. And you just looked at the crystal and looked me up and down because I wasn't pretty. And she looked me up and down and went, thanks. And she just turned around and started painting her lips again. And I was like, all right. And I walked out. And then we started doing some things through the court, like yes. through, did like different charity events that we do. And then she made me part of her of the like it, this is a whole thing like we're, we're part of a we're part of a charity group here in the city called the uh, from the international court system. So an empress is like the top figurehead person of that year. So she yeah. was like the face of the court for that year. She had to make sure that certain things happened. Da 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 da. Anyway, 
we started doing a lot and I had started coming out to a whole lot of the charity stuff because, you know, I thought that it was a really good cause and it was it was awesome and it was local. It was a way and, in. And well. it was way in. It really was. To, to, the, to get stage time for free. It was a place to go. And um, we just both really started to, when we started working side by side out of drag, we started learning a lot more about each other mm-hmm. and we started finding out that we had a whole lot more in common than we actually ever really thought we would. You guys came to the wedding. Yes. We don't need to talk about that. But um, that was that was a big one, though, for mm-hmm. you to show up there. Because then you got to meet family. And yes. you, like, we got to see the other side of our lives. And then one day she looked at me and was like, why don't you come paint with me someday? Like, come do your makeup with me. And I was like, okay. Ah, that's a big difference from when she dismissed you in the bathroom. I didn't oh yeah, dismiss her. you I would, dismissed I just, me. I was just. You had a crown on your head and went thank you and turned away. If you were the actual queen, two security guards would have ushered me away from the bathroom. Where was Jake? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so how did your drag journeys start, both of you? Who wants to start with? Uh, you go that ahead. Story. That's one. You're oh, older. You start. Um, yeah, I'm older. Um, so, well, as a little boy, I used to dress up in my mommy's clothes, but I always wanted to be a hairstylist. And but when I moved here for hair, I was I had been an aerobics instructor, so I was in really good shape and was like I was here like two days and I worked at Reflections, right? So nobody knew me, but I met up with these drag queens, of course, because they were beautiful, and I was like, oh my god! And so slowly, I, I started to do hair for them. At that time, my drag mother, Studio X Lenoir, who um, who passed away a few years ago, she was like, she was one, she was like top of the queen, right? And she's insanely gorgeous. I mean, she was she was she was a woman. She was perfection, and uh, I was brought before her like a lamb to the slaughter, and I was given one of her wigs. It was her Miss America wig, and it was her favorite. And I had set it for her, and she loved it. And it was only maybe a week after that when I had got a phone call. And it was her, and she's like, you're going to come out stepping with me. And I'm like, well, I have nothing, right? And I really had no, I didn't really have a lot of interest in drag. I'm not really sure. And I was like, well, I have nothing. She said, I'll take care of all that. Don't worry. She'd shave yourself from head to, from head to toe, and we're going. And so... <laughs> I went over. She put me in a little black miniskirt and a little and a little top. And uh, I needed no corset then. I was no padding. And she put me in her Miss America hair and off we went. And that was the beginning of it. And we became really close friends. And she took me under her wing and taught me to blend and to, to hiss when you walk into a place so that everybody moves out of your damn way. Like, sh- <laughs> But it's true. How did you feel that first night when you went out with her? I can remember where it was called the Millennium at that point, but it used to be Rumors, and now it's the Global Building. It's the Global Building, and that was the very first time I ever went out in drag. And we had got out of the the cab, and we just before we, we went in the door, she turned to me and she took her powder puff out, and she was powder in my nose, and she's like, "Okay," she said, "You look amazing," and she said, "I want you to walk in that place like you own it, right?" And I'm like, "Okay." And I did, and I I think I was hooked right there because I got a t- like I I got attention, right? And drag queens, we we love attention, of course we do. That's why we do this. <laughs> but uh, I fell in love more with the creative aspect of it. Like drag became my creative outlet. All the things that I'm good at, I got to put into drag, 
and not just for me like i i i've made clothes and stuff for the girls around the city like i'm all, I'm, I'm i like to help the next generation but that's how that's my origin story so okay next <laughs> <laughs> um i had done it for like i had done it like a halloween once and people were like oh my god you look good i was like okay cool and then it was Pride. I was living in Cape Breton at the time. And I was down there to go to school for nursing. And it was Pride Week down there. And they had their Miss Gay Sydney pageant. And a friend of mine looked at me and said, I dare you to do that. And I was like, I am not doing that. You are all foolish. No. And they looked and said, we'll buy you drinks for the entire week of Pride. If you do that, I said, what wig? <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I went into this pageant with one dress, one wig. My makeup, I used liquid CoverGirl clean makeup. I had powder blue eyeshadow. I had one pencil. It was a black eyeliner, and I eyelined my my eyes. I made my eyebrows, and I lined my lips with the black liner. Um, I was terrified. All these other girls were being done by, like, oh, my God. They had put these terrible-looking men in wigs, and they were having the Colors Girl. Oh, my God. Remember Colors, the makeup place? (laughs) It's like, you know, where they would do the glamour shots sort Mm -hmm. of a thing? Like, they had one of these booths in Mayflower Mall, and they brought in some of their makeup makeup artists, and they were doing these eyes on these girls. And I'm, like, trying to glue down my eyebrows, and I'm, like, doing the thing. I was still hideous. And um, they were like, oh, where's your evening gown? I was like, oh, no. I don't know. (laughs) I don't have one. So I did the entire pageant in one dress. And uh, I did my very first song was Stars on 54, if you could read my mind. And I did all three parts. The biggest drag no-no ever. But I was big enough. I could do all three parts at the time. And um, I was the size of the three women. It was fine. And then we got to the end of it. And they were crowning everybody, or they were getting everybody ready to crown. And the person who was supposed to win, they found out, was only 17. So they had to disqualify her. And I was second place. And I won. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you were the runner up. I was the runner up. I won my technicality. Oh my God, you were Coco Montrese. I was Coco Montrese. I know, right? And I same you thing. You know, though. a win is a win. It is, and I I finished the night off with "Beautiful" by Christina Aguilera, because you're beautiful no matter what they say. <laughs> and I still say it all the time, like, "Okay, Christina, words can't bring you down," but I got I, I was hooked. Like, was as it soon love as, at first drag? It, oh, completely, because it was performance, and I was a theater kid. I'm a theater junkie, and I loved being on stage even as a kid. And my grandfather was the president of the Men of the Deep, so like I and I was in Festival on the Bay and the whole nine yards in down in Cape Breton, and so it just felt so good to be back on the stage, and I got to develop a character on top of it all. So, and you get yeah. to build this brand new person, a person, and everyone wants to be with you and wanted to see you do more and they wanted more and more and it just yeah it's crazy it's interesting because i think in so much of our life people especially growing up people want us to be smaller and more contained but this is the opposite isn't it Complete. because it mm-hmm. just you, the the bigger the better 
for the, the for the most part, yeah. especially with our drag, like our drag is camp and glamour. There's so many different subsections of drag all the way around. Like there is no one particular way to do drag. Like there's so many. Like you can do the soft and the feminine and the and the impersonation and the and the illusion, or you can do the over the top, the big, the bold. Like she's more glamour. I'm more camp. I like characters. Like yeah. I like to do cosplay stuff, and you know, like I'll do Corella Deville and Maleficent, and you know, I do Jessica Rabbit, and all like that's the stuff that I really that that gets me excited, because I like to create and I like to build, and so that's what keeps me going with it. Well, and that's one of the big things that happened with the two of us. We started getting creative, doing things through the court together, making different. We, we started planning different events and different types of things we could do to help raise money that weren't just the same old yeah. things you see in and around with drag queens anyway. We like to ruffle feathers. Exactly. <laughs> and as we continued doing it, we just got closer and closer and crazier together. And soon it was we were inseparable. Yeah. And we we kind of learned drag together because I mean I'd only been in drag a couple years before you hmm. and I mean I was very lucky I had you know the master teaching me right and so by the time I got to her and it, we, we became friends like yes we call ourselves mother and daughter because you know we kind of, we are but we're more like yin and yang our friendship and everything grew because of drag for people who aren't familiar with what a family the community is, mm. tell me a little bit more about that. The community, with drag communities, like we're based, we're based and built off of houses, H A U S, like fashion houses in Paris and and things of this nature, and in in, in in Italy, and every different area names their houses differently as well. It's very regional. There are places that name them after actual fa fashion houses, it's like House of Balenciaga, House of like any type of couture base. Um, then there's like. Around here, you're named after your your last name, and it's a lot of a lot of places do it by last name. So it's like if you're part of my house, I'm the matriarch to the house of Fatal, and I was also the made the matriarch to the house of Diamonds, um, a few years back as well. It's it's it that's just more of like an honorary title thingy. But it, when you're the mother of the house, you're the mentor. You're the person who who guides them, who teaches them, who shows them how to do things. And there's your daughters or your sons, and they're the people who are learning from you. They're they're the ones. And like for the first little couple of months, or even a couple, it might even be up to the year. You're carrying bags. You're going out backstage. You're buttoning up things. You're making shoes are correct. You're making sure the wig is on right, because it's teaching you the things you need to know back there right you can't just walk uh. backstage and hope and pray you need to know what you're doing so so you're really a coach as well yep yeah oh completely We're like a pageant coach it's it is and you yeah. go but you build these folks from the ground up and now there is a difference like you can adopt into the family as well where there's performers who have been doing it for a while and you're just sort of bringing them in so that you can help polish them or you give them that sense of family and there are houses that aren't family oriented. It's just, you know, they're people and they all got their little thing going on. Ours became more of a family aspect and more of the love came into it. Um, it's the same thing with my house as well. Like my house is a separate entity to the house of station. All of my kids though are brought into her house. Cause I'm glamour. Yeah. It's the same thing. Glamour. All of my kids, when they opened up to their houses, they're still under the house of Fatal but they go by they become their own patriarch and matriarchs to their own names 
Tell me what the love in the community means to those quote-unquote kids. It's their chosen family. And a lot of them are, there's there's so many kids out there that they're hurting. Like, yep. And so many, like, I mean, ones just in our immediate family who mm. have mental health issues, who are struggling with all kinds of things. And, you know, we get those messages as if we were parents, right? And that's how the love kind of really built for me is that, the kids reached out and it makes me feel so good to give them my wisdom or the things that I've learned and help them see the beauty in themselves. And, and it's amazing. My drag family is my life. My, you know, they're my, this is, you guys are my whole universe. Yeah. Right. And I love them all. You know, there are days I'd like to, you know, smack them in the head, some of them, but I mean, for the most part, <laughs> that's I, family. yeah, exactly. that's family, you know, but, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, but it's true and there's there, especially like what Deva just said like there's a lot of them that are going through things they aren't accepted by their own families mm-hmm. um, I found out very quickly that I'm an extreme minority within my own community to have both parents who love and support and are there like my parents go to shows mm-hmm. my dad heckles me like there was every show that I had at the casino um, a few years back, my parents sat in the front row. My mom couldn't make it one day and she cried on the phone. I miss you. I'm like, oh, woman. Breathe. <laughs> That's amazing. What does it mean to both of you to be a source of love and, you know, the teachers of self-acceptance in a way? How does that feel? It's something I never, I never thought that I would be. You know, as someone, you know, I was insanely bullied growing up. Like, I mean, I, I've I've had all that, but I've overcome that. I had little problems here a couple of years ago, and I. But it's my drag family. It's drag that kind of moved me past that. It's drag that saved my life. And now, because I can look back at myself and know how I felt during certain times, I can hear it when they speak to me. And so I know how to talk to them. And so does my husband. I mean, Jake is a drag daddy. I mean, we call him daddy. And he, like the kids that we've, I mean, I'm surrounded by 20 year olds now. It's, it's amazing. And they're amazing kids. And Jake thinks more of them than he could. Oh my, it's, it's, I love listening to him talk and just being proud of the kids. Like, I mean, especially like one of our kids, Colton, he was, I mean, COVID hit, he lost his job, da, 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 da. And really depressed. He was really depressed. I was really worried about this kid. Like, you know, Jake would make sure he texted him like several times a day. Like, how you doing baby? And now he is actually doing like the dream, his dream job. He never would have realized this kid was a car buff. And now he is selling like a mofo and he's doing these amazing videos and stuff like that because he helps us do the stuff that we do. So he's learned parts of that and he's really good at it. And now the videos that he's doing, the head office wants to use. And I'm like, Jake, you should feel really good. You know, the fact that we as a family got to help this child. And I mean, we, I would take anybody in. I, I enjoy this so much now because I never thought that this is what I would be like and that I would be maternal and n- nice to people. Nurturing. <laughs> nurturing, yes. <laughs> she was not the nurturing type. And it, it really has, like, a, like we, I've gotten to see her change over the years and the evolution between the two of us. And it, it's been it's been an exciting ride so far and like we're not even done we're nowhere no. near done well we started a little later than most but yeah but like 
Lord, why not? Why not keep going? There's so much ahead, but There's let's so talk much. about your show that you started. So Queen's Ranting <laughs> is a genius idea, and hey. you're following through big time. Yep. We used and to always have great ideas, and we say, yeah, and then we just wouldn't do it. But this was one that didn't fall through. Like, we kept on each other. We, we kept accountable for it because yeah. it was like we taped maybe two or three, and then we were like, oh, okay, well, let's hit ten. And we get to 10 and then it was like, well, let's hit 30. And we keep going. And, and then finally it was like, like this Bruce, is episode 100. Like we were doing it before we knew we were actually doing it. And we started and we knew nothing. Like the, the way I used to do things on the YouTube channel that we have, Station DRG, it used to be called Dragology. And I used to teach wigs and drag stuff right and it would just be me in my kitchen had no idea what i was doing but you know that's what i'm like and you know we bought a couple of this and a little bit of that and then jk bought me a green screen and it just never got used and we were doing an event for muscular dystrophy it was a the lip sync battle and we were the yeah. judges and we used to like to do little um like clip ad videos and stuff like that you know for for them to use for social media and the first time that we taped it was that same day and we had done this um video for muscular dystrophy and then we're like you know what let's do this let's just turn it on and go and see what happens and we had a ball and but we it it got us on and then it, i think it was like a week later we did our first episode and it's been lost because it was bad but, oh my god it was so terrible oh my god <laughs> but we learned right and we learned and learned and, and and like you can see the progression and we we learned not just technical stuff we learned how to be with one another and it became a it became like therapy for us because like we literally just turn on the camera and go like um well now we're getting a little better we have a list we have a whiteboard that we have to you have to make sure you do all these things because lord knows what kind of shape we're going to be in by the time we're done this but it yeah but it was we got to um i think we were like episode 20 and we're like oh, okay I guess this is happening. And then it was 30. I was like, we better start paying attention here. And then it was 50. And then, and now I think we're in 132, but we had, we've haven't taped. We haven't done it in like 10 weeks, right? We're finally able to start taping again. So Rouge, what's the secret to the success of the show? Do you think? Truthfully, it's the chemistry we have. And we're real. It's not even that we're, well, we'd say that we are being real, but it's like, it's actually like, if you went to a drag show, and you hear the queens bantering in between while waiting for people to come out on stage. That's what we do. That's what we're doing. Oh, Except there's right. just no mute. Yeah. There's no performances in between. So the ones who like to go and listen to the drag queens at shows, That's me and her. Like we both love to go listen to them go at each other. Yeah. It's it's a good thing. And the chemistry that her and I have because we've been doing it so long, it it just it's just. Like if you were at our house when we were just having a good evening, this is what you would be hearing anyway. Yeah. It's just now we've personified it into the Rouge and Deva character itself and brought it out for everyone to watch. And it's been amazing. We have like 8,500 followers on YouTube. We're, we're over 157,000 followers on TikTok, I think. Yeah. And Something like wow. that. We just go. And we, but like, it's funny because her and I don't really pay too much attention to the numbers as much. I couldn't care less. But like uh, the the team that we have, and we have a phenomenal team, and it's the family on top yep. of it all. Um, they'll message and go, "Do you guys know that you just hit one hundred and fifty-seven thousand? And we're like, "That's nice. awesome. That's lovely." Oh. 
when are we taping that's cool yeah and like yeah. this weekend we were we we went live as we got ready tiktok live and uh did the whole right space apart the whole nine yards and we had 21,000 people stop in and watch us as we got our makeup on. There were from, we had people from like- Argentina, there was um, Australia. There was Australia, Amsterdam, um, Ireland. We have a big following, following in, in Ireland. Ireland. The, it's the chemistry though. It's the chemistry. You need to have, have that, yeah. yeah. The station DRG, we want it to be a place that, because when, when COVID came and all of a sudden all these kids, they had nowhere to perform. Right. And we had started to do online drag shows and stuff. And again, a lot of the people, they didn't really know what they were doing. Right. But we had already been kind of doing it. So we were able to say, OK, you know, if you do this, you know, OK, go shoot it like this. And so we got to help them. And then all of a sudden these kids are making these amazing videos and they're making them on their own. And it gives you that sense or it gives them that place to put their talents again, because there's so many kids in our life that drag is their whole existence. And drag is their mental health. Drag is their, it, what, it's what gives them balance. And I mean, I mean, I know that myself. I mean, drag is my balance and it gives me that place to focus myself. And we try to give all that back to the kids and like help them and do whatever we can. And uh, we just, we enjoy what we do and we enjoy helping the people around us. And, and we're pushing like so many young ones, like we're teaching them how to edit and like we're inspiring that like, go, dude, go, come on, let's go. And, uh, that makes you feel really good. I, I keep telling the kids, I was like, okay, so mommy's going to die, right? So here you, you go, you take, you do. If you want to go, use the name. We will back you. We will give you a platform. This podcast is brought to you by Charm Diamond Centers, Canada's largest family-owned jewelry store. They are proud to be putting love on the map. And the staff at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story too. So visit CharmDiamondCenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. What do you see shifting in the world around you in terms of attitudes to the drag community? Well, we used to be a subculture within the gay community. Like, we were hidden in the back at the bars. You went on a Sunday night, you watched the show. If there was something charity that you needed to boost the people and get some money, you called on the drag queens. Um, yeah. It wasn't until it was, well, we said it here. When I got the show at the, the casino, casino and they started putting the billboards up and the radio ads and things like this, and it became a mainstream scenario. And it wasn't a thing of hearing. It was you didn't hear a drag show being announced on like on anywhere. You would never see mainstream advertising. So once RuPaul's Drag Race came into play and people started seeing queens as an actual form of entertainment and an actual live art is when it really started pushing for us so probably it was probably about seven or eight years ago but we've been around since the dawn of time you know <laughs> there's always been somebody putting on somebody else's clothes and trying to act that way you know like we're just the word is well said it's but it's true and you know it's a huge part of our community now and it's become a huge part of just regular pop culture period like you know when i'm walking down the street and drag and you just hear like four or five 16 year olds go yeah 
yes. It's just like you kind of you do you stand up a little bit more because like ten years ago those sixteen year olds were not yelling yas they were yelling a three letter word but it wasn't yas and. Yeah. It, it it's so much different now. Like before, we, when we walked down the street, we'd have eggs thrown at us, and I'm not joking. Like that that's I wish I could say that that was a laugh, but it's not. Like the amount of things that got like physically thrown as well as mentally thrown at us is unbelievable over the years. Like when I hear about some of the things that happened to women within their community, and like you hear about people putting the keys in between their knuckles, that was a regular yeah, thing yeah. for us. You were taught that. You got taught yeah. how to take someone down if you needed to, because just because you were dressed as a woman, they thought you could, they could treat you like one. And it, it's, it's unbelievable what some people did to us in, in just walking to our cars in broad daylight even because they just we weren't considered human deva tell me about the award that you and your husband jake won recently for your work with station drg it was the most amazing day of my life the universe stepped in when they brought us tina murphy she's with td bank she does like all their social media she's she's the most energetic person i've ever met in my life and i i would like to find where her switch is and the award was the td thank you award for being pillars in the community and you know for helping and just for making the world a better, better place. place or for trying at least <laughs> yeah again it was one of the muscular dystrophy events and Rouge and I were the judges and Jake my husband was there like and you know he could sell refrigerators to people in the in the Arctic and anyway he was sitting in the audience he was doing his thing and there was a uh, empty chair beside him and it was Tina and they immediately started talking and da 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 and then Jake is really good at selling me off and fortunately Rouge gets sold off with me so before that we I'm not mad about it not mad at that no. no Jake does drag as well uh not as much as what we do um but we got on to do pride for TD we became like their pride ambassadors and their queens and just working with Tina and just being with her and she nominated us for this for, for this award there was what I think there were 700 and some nominations went in and it was us and two others that got it. It was all uh, a, a ruse. Uh, they had brought us in, J Jake and I in because they wanted to do this online thing for Pride and because it was in the middle of COVID and Pride wasn't happening. And uh, we thought that's what we were taping and it was for some kind of mini documentary. And they had said, oh, we need to come to your place and tape you guys getting ready, right? But we want to interview and da, 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 da. And we were told it was for this documentary. It wasn't for the documentary at all. There was no documentary. There was no documentary. And uh, <laughs> so, but anyway, the day was almost over and there was other people there. I mean, there was a film crew there and stuff. And we got this yell from upstairs and I was like, you know, they were interviewing Dinah and I at the time. And um, we went up and uh, there's a parade coming down Theakston Avenue and all of our friends and just these people with signs and banners and and I, I lost my mind. I was like, this was just the most amazing thing ever. And Tina lives in Toronto, so she wasn't here and she couldn't get here anyway. And so all of a sudden this tractor trailer is coming down the, the the street with this big monitor on it and all of a sudden it comes up and it's all our friends and telling you just you know how much you know we, we've helped them or all of this and i'm a mess 
like just a mess. And and then finally it's Tina, and she's like, you know, we're you know da da da, we're nominating you. Uh, what did, what was the line? You know, a studio fit for a queen. And they opened up the back of this of this van, and there's they gave us. Sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars in video equipment, and it was—it changed our lives. It took what we were trying to do five, six years in the future, and allowed us to jump forward. And and but Tina is amazing. I don't know what to say anymore because it's just been amazing. Like all I can do is smile about it because it changed our life. Well, it's amazing to be recognized when you talk about the journey from being bullied to celebrated. It's amazing to be recognized for what you're doing by the broader community, too. It's yes. just phenomenal. It's unreal when you're pulled out of your own little comfort zone uh, within the community to be shown that you're actually making a bigger difference within the global community. And you didn't know you were. And then all of a sudden, you're wow. just, you're put into it. It's a very overwhelming. It's a lot. But in the same breath, we're doing it with each other. So it kind of makes it a heck of a lot better. Like, I have severe depression and anxiety. I have a whole lot of stuff on my plate when it comes to mental health. Mm-hmm. And so does this one. I'm my own category of crazy. And there's there's been many a time where we will just give each other a phone call and just say, I just just don't talk, just, just be there. And there's been times there I had one of my favorites. I, I had a full on anxiety attack putting my makeup on in a bathroom in St. John, New Brunswick at the Delta. And she was putting her we were sharing a hotel room. She's putting her makeup on at the desk by the other side of the room. And I just went, I don't think so. I can't do this. And she came around the corner and I had my head leaning over the sink so that the tears would just drip because I had just done my liner and it was perfect. And she handed me like two tissues. She put them up to my eyes and went, it's not time for Jason right now. Rouge needs to be here right now. And she's like, we can have this moment and I appreciate and it's valid, but you need to put her in charge because we have way too much to do right now. Mm-hmm. And it does. If you hear that voice, that's that one person who can, you can hear that voice over anybody, any of the other voices that are screaming. All the other voices in my head telling me I can't. Her voice comes through every time without fail when she's talking to me and says, but you can and you're gonna. And it's the same thing. She'll call me and go, they're yelling. You need to talk to me. Because her husband can talk to her till he's blue in the face. And she'll look and go, that was great. Can you call Rouge now? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. It's like, you know, the, my ex-husband used to do the same thing. He'd just hand the phone over. And I'd be like, hello? And she's like, hi, baby. What's up? <laughs> and it is. it is Because there was a time I had a really bad time. I had a really bad time. Um, and it, it got to a point where they found me on the floor in my house and they brought me to emergency and uh they had me uh, i don't remember a week mm-hmm. just because of the amount of medication and what they were like what i had to go through and to get myself back on track and same thing like the there was only like three people in the world who could get through to me and she was one of them and it it like the amount of times we've probably saved each other is, is unbelievable i want to drill down on that um love in your friendship and ask you what i often ask romantic couples 
what do you love about each other? I have an answer. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. For, I'm just trying to figure out like the best way to say it. Oh God. Well, fine, fine, fine. I love you. I love your energy. I love that you you're always warm. I love that she's always warm. You always know exactly what to say to me to to shut me up, and you're really good at chasing the monsters away. Um, I love your kindness. I mean, I could go on, but I would get mushy. <laughs> That's what. That's beautiful. That's kind of what she's looking for, I think. Go Rouge, your turn. I love the fact that you brought stability into my world and taught me how to be a better person all the way around. And how to focus yourself. You you did. You yeah. taught me how to focus a lot more. But the thing I love about you the most is that you just, you care. And you care unequivocally. It's, it's not, I don't have to worry about stepping on eggshells. It doesn't matter what it is, is that you're going to love me no matter what yeah. it what happens. There's going to be consequences to actions. Actions have consequences. consequences. That's whatever. You know what I was saying. But it when it comes down to it, though, where, like, you always have my back, and that's amazing to me. I can't imagine my life without you. I really can't. No. Like, I, I, I went 10 weeks. I, <clears throat> I broke my neck last year. And they just found out about what it was uh, last this March. So over a year, I lived with a broken neck. And it had pinched off my pain receptors. So we, we thought I had MS. Um, and after I had spinal surgery, I was in the physical rehabilitation for like six weeks. I, I, I think we texted like 18,000 times a day just because usually we're on the phone or we're in person or we're talking or we're doing everything. And this just, it, it stopped everything. It halted everything in our world and, and made us really have to push and think and do. But no matter what, we didn't lose each other in this. And when a lot of other people could have walked away, she didn't. And, and it's like, even when I was bad and in a bad place over this year, because I didn't know why I didn't have my energy. I didn't know what was happening to my body. And I, I literally was just lying there. It was terrifying. It was her, her, your condition. It was terrifying. Yeah. And it was like, I was so scared I was going to lose her. I was, I was so scared that she was going to end up in a wheelchair. And I, it was a very difficult year. Yeah. It's been a really, like, and I'm, I still have a long, hell of a long road to go, but it, the the stuff, like the texts and the video calls and the chatting, and one day I actually got in drag in the rehab center. I took her down stuff. She brought me down all my stuff. She brought me a wig, and I got in full drag there, uh, and she got in full drag at hers, and we met outside and filmed and laughed and carried on and she brought me homemade pizza and and a treat box and things to do and you know and and a list of stuff I had to get ready for the next taping and I went around and and did drag in this in the place and took pictures with everybody and made everyone laugh and I was like like both of us did it the same thing we're like Mm -hmm. okay it's it's the amount of just laughing we did within a 10 minute period not being able to even go near each other outside in front of the fiscal rehabilitation center and it, like it just felt good again and it felt right again and we both kind of looked and went 
All right. Okay. Yeah. We got, we got this. this. We got this. We're going to do this. And it's like, <laughs> no matter what we do and where we go, it's the drag is always going to be there. Wherever we go, they usually come with us. Whether we're dressed or not, they're always with yeah. us. And it's it's we've had some of the most amazing experiences with each other over oh. the years. Put the tea on, Nancy. We have stories. Oh, it's like we we've ran around all over Halifax in I, in, in drag at and done some of the craziest yeah, things. Yeah. That's the fun part. Yeah, it's like go do like, just showing just up show at up. houses. And what about the smiles that you put on people's faces? You know what is really what I really love, and like I mean. Jake and I are always in the Pride Parade, and you got to meet the Prime Minister. Yeah, I mean, we're the ones who met, who got the picture with Justin that went viral, right? And uh, but these little kids who normally wouldn't be able to have access to us. I mean, these kids are like, I, I have kids with that. I've got pictures at the Pride Parade every year. Like I've watched these kids grow up, right? And that's what is amazing to me, mm. and is that you know. Drag has become so much more accessible, and the kids love us. She does the most amazing like library reads. Like she is so good at it. No, it's but it's right. You're right. Like um, the we get to do like the smiles are the best part of it, especially when you just see a little one in the audience and you wink at them, yeah. and they just light up, go nuts. Ninety yeah. percent of the time, when someone comes up and goes. I remember you and I look and go, yeah, you met me in front of the Stakenstein. I was on my way. We were doing this. You asked for a picture. And then you and I laughed and I gave you a bracelet or something. And they'd be like, you remember that? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. You know, I might not remember your name. Dear Lord, don't ask me your name. There's no. a reason I call everyone kitten. Baby. Hi, kitten. kitten. Yeah. Hey, poodle. Because I remember you. And I can tell you every single thing. I can tell you what you're wearing. Well, I would call you both kitten and poodle to sign <laughs> off, but your names are too good. Rouge, Fatale, and Deva Station. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. Mm-hmm.